Coming up on this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Hogbeat.com and Rivals, we sat down with new Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman, so we're sharing our exclusive audio. The Hogs are welcoming their biggest group of official visitors yet in the Pittman era, and we'll tell you which recruits we've got on Commitment Watch. And the Razorbacks welcome number 10 Kentucky on Saturday at 3 p.m. Let's do it. everybody welcome to the hogbeat hour i'm nikki chavanel the managing editor over at hogbeat.com we've got a lot cooking for this show so i'm going to start off with the official visitors this is a very very important week for the razorbacks as signing day is now just uh, about three weeks away so arkansas will have official visitors this weekend next weekend and then the weekend of the 31st and then that's it signing day is february 5th Um, And they've basically got to fill the rest of their class. They're currently sitting at 12 commits. Um, The primary target right now, um, all the news hopefully will come out on Friday. Felipe Franks is coming to visit the former Florida starter. He took Florida to a 10-3 record and a Peach Bowl victory in 2018 and then started outright over Kyle Trask and Emory Jones and the quarterbacks over at Florida. And then he ended up um, breaking his ankle um, on a bad tackle um, against Kentucky in week three. So he could potentially have a whole nother year of eligibility he could apply for at the end of his eligibility. So he could have two years at Arkansas if he was to pick the Razorbacks, but He's essentially got less than 24 hours to make a decision whether he will pick Arkansas and end up enrolling on Friday. So if that news is going to come, it's going to be sometime on Friday. I didn't know this, but apparently at public universities, you can go to the directory and just type in kids' names and see if they're enrolled. So you can do that on Friday for Felipe Franks and see if he shows up. He's a former four-star. He was the number three um, pro-style quarterback coming out of high school in Florida. Um, He was committed to LSU briefly and then went to Florida. We all know how that went. Um, Threw over 30 touchdowns, had 17 interceptions. Um, He's got a cannon of an arm, but all in all, it's taken him quite a while to gain proper accuracy. Um, A lot of Florida fans don't love the guy. He's... He comes off like he's got a bad attitude, but uh, his teammates like him, his coaches liked him, so not all bad there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put that against him until he gets here and you see how he interacts with the team here. But besides Arkansas, he has a relationship with Les Miles at Kansas. He visited Kansas before the winter break, um, but he is graduated and he's ready to enroll for this semester. So if he's going to do that, he's got to do that on Friday. A lot of people are wondering how a Felipe Franks uh, decision would impact maybe a chance at getting former Houston starter Derek King here at Arkansas. 
Um, a lot of people have been writing that Arkansas, you know, is the top choice for Derek King, but I'm not sure anyone's actually talked to King about it. Um, there was a Houston Chronicle article that cited sources close to the situation, so who knows who those people are. Um, but overall, it kind of seems like Arkansas maybe knows that they're not in play for King. That's why they're going after Felipe Franks, but we'll see. Um, Derek King has graduated. He would be ready to enroll this semester. So uh, a lot of other schools in play for him, LSU, Oklahoma, Oregon, Miami, Mississippi State. A lot of schools need a grand trans grad transfer quarterback this year. So uh, he's probably going to go to the team uh, with the best chance of making a bowl game in 2020. Besides Felipe Franks, Arkansas is welcoming two former commits to campus. Um, Alan Horace, a three-star tight end out of Crockett, Texas. He's 6'5", 250. He had a really big season down in Crockett. Um, he will visit Arkansas this weekend before visiting um, UTSA and former coach here at Arkansas, Jeff Trailer, And then he will also go to Ole Miss. He was originally planning to go to Maryland, and then Ole Miss offered late, and he decided, well, you know, it's the SEC, so he's going to go visit Lane Kiffin. Worries me a little bit, but he has so much background history with Arkansas that I could see him, you know, meeting John Cooper, the new tight ends coach, building a quick relationship and deciding to come to Arkansas. But he'll probably want to take those two other official visits he has planned first before making a final decision. The other former commit and one that I have on commitment watch is Savion Williams, three-star, also out of Texas, wide receiver. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, out of Marshall High School. He's the 119th ranked player coming out of Texas this class. Uh, he's got a great relationship with Coach Justin Stepp. They went to visit him before the holidays during the open period in home, so um, they've already started building that relationship back up again. Um, he put out a top three of Arkansas, SMU, and TCU. Um, he really liked his official visit at SMU, but when you're comparing the three schools, obviously Arkansas has the, the appeal of um, the SEC and just playing on a much bigger stage. Um, Arkansas will host a four-star Bama wide receiver commit, Javon Baker, next weekend. And it's kind of coming down to the wire here. They're working out numbers. It looks like they might not have more than one spot at receiver. I mean, if Javon Baker wants to flip from Bama to Arkansas, I think they would take him. But really, the pressure is on Savion Williams to take this final wide receiver spot in the class and join Darren Turner, who is already on campus. There are quite a few first-time Visitors coming to campus, starting with a five-star, and we talked about this last week. Arkansas hasn't had a five-star official visitor in quite some time, uh, but it's still kind of a long shot. Broderick Jones, five-star offensive lineman uh, from Georgia, committed to Georgia, um, committed to Sam Pittman. That was a big part of his commitment. Um, he'll visit Arkansas for the first time. Um, before going back to Georgia, doing an official visit there, and then also doing an official visit at Auburn. Um, from what I've heard, the coaches actually feel like they've got very strong chance considering uh, he wanted to commit to Pittman before, and now he's a head coach. He has a lot of influence over this program. Um, but 
who knows what really goes down because he's a Georgia native. It's going to be very tough, in my opinion, for them to pull Broderick Jones out of there. But if they do, I mean, what a monumental move for Arkansas and this staff if they manage to do that. And he's a five-star offensive lineman. That basically means he, he's got the body to play right away. And with Arkansas's offensive line, they, they really need that. The second offensive lineman visiting this weekend is Jalen St. John, who is a four-star out of Trinity Catholic in St. Louis, Missouri, 6'4", to uh, 3'23", so he, he's a big boy. Um, he was committed to Brad Davis and um, Barry Odom at Missouri and then ended up decommitting. Um, but he's got the relationship with the staff now, and so all that's really left to do is to make sure he stays away from Florida State, will, where he'll visit next weekend. But um, between the two, I really think that Arkansas has the huge advantage here. They're much closer to home than Florida State, so I'm not sure that he would shut it down and commit to Arkansas publicly this weekend, but he could definitely maybe privately commit silently, you know, um, and then still go visit Florida State. On the other side of the trench, Arkansas is hosting Eric Thomas from Florida. Arkansas doesn't have any commits from Florida so far in this 2020 class, so that would be a very interesting addition. Um, Eric Thomas, he's 6'3", 230, defensive end, a three-star. Um, he's been very much off the radar. I brought him up to the Florida analyst because I was like, what's this guy's deal? He's only got a Colorado State offer. And he was like, man, that's just not an area that people get up too much. He's from Pensacola. He said he kind of forgot that the guy existed after seeing him at camp one time. Um, but he's got the body to play in the SEC. So it seems like a guy that people have been sleeping on. Not sure what his grade situation is. Maybe that's coming into play. But it's good that he's getting onto Arkansas's campus before signing day. Um, and hopefully the other schools don't suddenly take notice of him. The Razorbacks are trying to replenish their store of linebackers. So even though Arkansas already has four linebackers committed, um, they're still bringing in Ja'Cory Turner, a three-star linebacker out of Georgia. Uh, his main competition, or Arkansas's main competition for him right now is Florida Atlantic. So He's definitely one that I have on commitment watch this weekend. It seems like uh, the best situation for him to play at a, a, a very high level. Um, and Arkansas also canceled visits with a four-star, um, Brennan Scott, and then an in-state kid, Kendarius Moore, also two linebackers. So uh, given those signs, it kind of seems like Ja'Cory Turner is already in the fold. A lot of people have raised eyebrows at this one, but um, Kari Johnson, he is a two-star, and that's because he's from way out in Connecticut, and our, our analysts certainly don't get up to Connecticut much unless it's, you know, a four- or five-star type player, so maybe his film just needs a new look, and maybe he'll get a bump from that two-star rating, but he was one of the first defensive backs to get an offer from Sam Carter, and I know the former staff was looking at him as well, and he's already visited here, so He's definitely on commitment watch this weekend. He doesn't have any other official visit plans set up. And Arkansas also canceled an official visit with Rashad Battle, who's a four-star from Georgia. So that, to me, kind of indicates that Arkansas knows how the spots are going to fill up um, in the secondary for this class. Finally, Arkansas is welcoming two running backs, um, both out of Georgia, both in a bit of a um, academic holdup situation. 
Um, it, it could be that they don't have the ACT score yet that they might need, but um, three-star Ebony Jackson, who's been committed to Maryland for a while, he didn't sign um, early, even though he was already committed to them. So depending on whether he qualifies or not, it's clear that Arkansas and Maryland would be the two schools in the running for him. Um, and then Dejon Edwards, also out of Georgia, um, he's a four-star running back, but he's only got nine offers, which signals to me that a lot of schools were like, oh, this kid's not going to make it, so we're not going to recruit him. Arkansas is still recruiting him in the off chance that he does qualify, and so is Georgia and so is Florida State. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Arkansas only has one running back in this class, and he signed early, Dominic Johnson. So a second one would be nice, but they really don't need it. Uh, the running back room is plenty full. I hope that gives you guys a pretty good recap of all the guys coming this weekend. It's a pretty stacked list, given the amount of time that the staff had to put it together. We've got a five-star in there, some former commits, a grad transfer quarterback. Um, when we come back, we're going to have a lot of audio from our sit-down with Sam Pittman, so I hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. Razorback fans, enjoy this two-on-one interview with Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman. It's been, uh, you know, I felt like I was ready for the job, and I still do. You know, it, um, we've been very fortunate because the folks that we had uh, targeted to come here to Arkansas on the staff came. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... You know, every time I walk in that meeting at 7.30 in the morning, it's uh, it's really great, you know, because I know that um, I've surrounded myself with really good people. So it's been a smooth transition be to me because of that. Does it feel like much has changed since you were here last? <laughs> well, not really. You know, there's many thousands of reasons why I wanted to come back to Arkansas as a head coach, but honestly, the biggest reason was because the people of Arkansas. Um, I just really loved it here. My wife Jamie loved it here. The first time we were here, and and the Arkansas people haven't changed. And uh, obviously, the Northwest Arkansas is one of the top five places in the country to live. I learned, and uh, so now it's 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 as good as we thought it would be when we came back. Um, you've got signing day coming up. You've got the whole staff. What are the top things on your priority list going forward? You know, they change every day. I mean, there are top priorities, but then they change. In other words, I think at one point I wanted to get to 20 people. I thought if we could sign 20 guys, you know, that that would be an unbelievable class and we're sitting on the board trying to get to 25, and we feel like we've got an opportunity to do that of guys that you like, not necessarily guys, guys you want. And uh, obviously we're, there's some spots that we're short on numbers, one of them being a quarterback, uh, secondary short, and linebackers are short, and obviously tight ends. So those four places. Um, it's every it's every spot, Nikki, but it's 
you know, when you're short numbers, you really have to address those positions and make sure that you have enough on your board that you like that if you miss on this guy or that guy that you're able to fill that void. You mentioned the staff there. I mean, how, how did you go about building that staff? I know like when Hunter tells you you have X amount of dollars to put it together. Was it kind of like building a, putting a puzzle together? How, how did that go? Um, there's a lot of important parts of a man or a woman. You know, I'm talking about. So there was three of them that I wanted to make sure that we had. I wanted a good person. I wanted someone that knew what they were doing and could communicate that. And I wanted a recruiter. And so when you put a staff of 10 together, you're going, who can recruit this area? Who can recruit that area? What kind of person is he? Can he talk to people? And does he know ball? And so that was the three things that, and it helps if you know the people, you know, as well, or you've worked with them or know someone who's worked with them. And so you have a list and you have a DC list and you go however many deep it is. And then you go linebackers and this, that, and other. And then when you hire somebody, you go, okay, well, I got who I want here, and he's can recruit in this area and this, that, and other. And so you're trying not to hire five guys that's recruit the same area or five same personalities. You just want five good people, ten good people that can recruit, that can communicate, that know what they're talking about. And uh, so that's really what I went out and looked for. And to be honest with you, I had that. I had ten guys. And to be honest with you, we got them. And so it wasn't it wasn't that hard. And uh, math part of it, if I was having a hard time, I'd use a calculator and it had to add <laughs> up to what the number that, that Hunter gave me. Yeah. And so I had to figure that out. That was kind of fun, actually. Yeah. You know, that was kind of a fun deal. I noticed one of the kind of characteristics I noticed, uh, one of the trends is you, you got a lot of offensive line influence. I, mean, I know Coach Cooper played offensive line yeah. in college, uh, Coach Davis, uh, Coach LeBon, uh, Coach Fountain coached offensive line. Was, was that by design, being an offensive lineman, or just kind of happened that way? No, it, it wasn't at all. Brad Davis can handle He can coach the old line as good as anybody in the country. Uh, that had nothing to do with it because you just told me something I didn't know. <laughs> so, no, it didn't have it didn't have anything at all to do with it. And uh, Brad was actually the first guy who said yes. Uh, Barry and I had been in contact, and I believe he was the second guy. Just mm -hmm. bang bang. But Barry had some other things going on in uh, his situation, so he was just a little bit behind Brad. And with Brad, I mean, do you feel comfortable get, turning him completely loose with that offensive line group, or are you still going to have kind of your thumbprint on, on that unit uh, going forward? I do. I feel comfort comfortable with his coaching ability and what he's done. You know, he was a grad assistant for me as well, and he played, you know, I coached him just one year at Oklahoma, but uh, I do. Uh, I would lie to you if I didn't think that I would walk in a room and watch tape and in here and not have some notes about, you know, what we're doing here on this, that, the other, 
explain it to me, but I'm not the old, you know, know-all of offensive line, and uh, I'm a guy that has my feelings about it, and and certainly I'll, I'll express those. But he's a great offensive line coach. I'm gonna let him coach. Um, you ended up retaining Justin Step from Chad Morris' staff. How did he do in his interview? I assume there was one. I don't know, but um, how did he do? What led you to to keep him? Well, um, he went out on the road with me for two or three days. I think three, not positive, two or three. And uh, we'd go into high schools, and I saw how uh, the players that he was recruiting looked at him, and I saw the rapport he had with them. And there was at least two coaches that, when I'm leaving, grabbed me and said, I want to talk to you. And I thought it was about the recruit, and it was about Step. And they were passionate about what they had to say about him. So we came home one night, and then I'm sitting there, and I talked to, and I'm laying in bed, and I, I talked to Jamie. I said, I'm going to hire him tomorrow. She said, who? And I said, Justin Stepp. Of course, she wants to know about does he have a wife, kids, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so we're driving to the local airport out here, and I'd ask him to get his wife on the phone. And I said, hey, can you get your wife on the phone? And he said, yeah. And he said, do you on speakerphone? I said, yeah, I'd like to talk to her. And so he hands me the phone over, and I ask her, you know, how she liked it here, and she said she did, and then I asked her about what she does, and she said that she really loved her church, and I said, well, that's awesome, because I'm gonna ask Coach Step to be my wide receiver coach. You'll have to ask him how he reacted. You know, I'm wondering, with Coach Bryles, uh, y- y'all have some pretty good offensive pieces, you know, Rakeem Boyd coming back, and some pretty good wide receivers. Do, do you feel confident that he can come in and and make kind of an immediate impact on that offensive side of the ball? I don't want to put any pressure on him, but absolutely. Um, We hired uh, Coach Bryles for a lot of reasons. One of them was, for the most part in his career, they scored a whole lot of points. And uh, I still think that's you got to score more than they do. So, Um, but there's many reasons we hired Coach Bryles, but the first attraction was that he had had such great success with his offenses in the past, and then I and I liked what he did. And, uh, and then when I interviewed him, he was so impressive and such a good person, good man, and I really um, I knew that's the guy I wanted to hire. I know your running backs coach, uh, Jimmy Smith. I was reading up on him. I, I think you may have even recruited a couple of his players when yeah, he was in high school or coaching high school. Uh, wh- how did that relationship form? And did you know when you were recruiting his players, like, hey, I might, wouldn't mind working with this guy? No. Uh, I mean, it never ran across my mind. Uh, but Jimmy, you know, he won two state championships. They won two state championships, Cedar Grove in football, four in track. Play for another one or two, if I don't, I don't want to be quoted there, but I believe it was two. And then, uh, you know, he was AD at the school. He, you know, he did everything, and very valuable to that school, and very professional when you'd go in there. And I, there was two offensive linemen that went to Georgia, 
that uh, I recruited from there. But the really kicker was that we interviewed Jimmy for a job at Georgia, and he was impressive. He was just who he is. And uh, we ended up hiring somebody else in that position. But then when he went to Georgia State, and, you know, I think they're running back there, finishing the top 11, 12 in the country rushing. And so I knew that, you know, I knew what kind of man he was, but I needed, again, I needed a Georgia recruiter, and he has a lot of respect in the state of Georgia as well. So he fit every uh, everything I was looking for. I knew he, he, was a, he was the only man we offered the job at running back. What did you kind of learn from Coach Smart about you already knew how to recruit in the SEC, but what did you learn from him? Well, you know, I hate to say it again, but it was like recruiting on steroids, you know. Um, Coach Smart is a relentless attacker in recruiting. Uh, It's a daily conversation about what's going on. I knew how to recruit, I felt like, going into uh, Georgia, but it was just amped up. It was just... uh, have you talked to the mother? Have you, you know, did you text dad last night? Did as it, when's the last time you talked to the kid? You know, and it was um, pressure into making sure that we were uh, having contact with kids more than somebody else. Now you can't measure that, but from where I had been. It was a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, in the texting and all those type things. So, uh, from from Coach Mart, I learned uh, a lot of things, uh, but that would probably be as big a thing of anything as how important uh, recruiting is and how report important relationships are. It's really not recruiting; it's just really getting to know each other is what it is, and. If you take the recruiting word out of it and you say, I'm going to get to know you, well, the only way I'm going to get to know you is to be in constant contact with you. And it's really not recruiting. It's who do you know? And at the end of the day, do they like you or they like your university or several reasons enough to where they can't say no? Mm-hmm. And that's called relationship building got to find out who's important to them. Everybody's mama's important to them and everybody's dad's important to them. And sometimes grandma and sometimes the coach and you just had to find that out and make sure that it's a constant communication with those folks. I know that Hutch has a question about in-state recruiting, but for preferred walk-ons, will you pretty much try to stick to Arkansas kids? Yeah, for the most part. Now, that's that's not telling you that we won't go out of state to do that because of some of our waivers that we have. You know, it can make it a little more convenient for some of our bordering states for guys to come in and mm-hmm. be preferred walk-ons. But we are the University of Arkansas, and uh, we want to give – let's say this. I guess the easiest way to answer the question is if we had – two equal players uh, we certainly want the one from Arkansas to be a part of the university mm-hmm. um, so you have to be in it 
you used to be here at Arkansas. Were you surprised after you left how the program kind of fell to two, two and ten seasons? And, and how quickly do you think that can snap back? You know, the second answer, I, I don't know. That one, that one, um, you know, I hate to be the old coach answer, but that I really don't know on that one. I, I, I think, you know, when we came in uh, five, six, seven, nine years ago, or excuse me, seven years ago, uh, we were three and nine and we went to two bowls back to back. Um, so we, we're going to work to, you know, we want to be, uh, when people talk about Arkansas, we want them to talk about positive. So we're working hard. I don't know how long that's going to take. I really don't. But the, the, the what do you call it, digress, or when we fell a little bit, um, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it because I had, you know, I was worried about what's going on at Georgia. Mm -hmm. But um, I certainly wasn't happy about it, you know. Um, when I left, I wanted to see Arkansas do really well, and and uh, I don't really know why it happened, you know, but it did. You hired uh, Jameel Walker from Georgia. What did you learn about him from your time there that indicated to you that he was ready to be the, the head strength guy? You're going to hate me for this answer, but he was a great communicator, mm -hmm. a guy that knew how to talk to people, and he's impressive. And his knowledge, you know, he he was ready. Um, he had been through a structured program that I liked, so I knew that he could bring very a lot of similarities. Now he's going to have his own touch on things. I get it. And then I hired Ed Ellis. Mm -hmm. Well, Ed had been the strength coach at a couple of universities, and I kind of hired Ed like I hired. Barry Odom, kind of to help me. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Jamil didn't have an ego. Actually, Jamil was like, we gotta get Ed, we gotta get Ed. And, but that's why he's such an impressive, have you met him? No, not yet. Such an impressive guy. And knows what he's doing, and I think the kids will migrate to him, you know, and, uh, and that staff in there. But I honestly, I hired Pat Doherty in there and hired Amanda Gilpin. And Amanda had been a DFO before, so to kind of help Pat through, same thing in the weight room, same thing on the coaching staff with Barry Odom. So it's something I believed in. Uh, if you have a huge ego, you're not going to do that. Uh, but if you want to win, you are going to do that. So that's what we did in those three different spots. Looking at the players that you have on this roster, what's going to be Coach Walker's plan for them in winter or spring conditioning? Well, um, I, you know, obviously the first thing is is we're going to try to get bigger. You know, we're, we need to get bigger. Um, um, that room in there is for getting in shape. It's for getting stronger. It's all that. That room in there is to build confidence. I mean, we need to come out of that room in that eight-week eight training cycle before we go to spring ball, bigger, stronger, faster, all those things, but confident. We need to get our confidence back. And uh, you know how it is in life. So much about having success in life is if you think you're going to or not. Mm 
because mm -hmm. sometimes you can be, defeat yourself before you ever walk on a field or walk into a job interview or what it may be. So right now we're trying to build confidence in the team, and that means confidence in us, confidence in you know what we're teaching, all those things. And we have to be a bigger football team. We have to be a more physical football team, a tougher football team, and those things happen in the weight room. Um, the coordinators, do you pretty much expect them to hold their own and, and coordinate their, their respective groups and you are kind of like the overseer? I think so. You know, I think in everything, you know, I, I'm older and been to a lot of different schools and been an assistant for – long time and what I'm trying to do is be the coach that I wanted to work for and if I'm the OC I know that I have to ultimately answer to the head coach about what we're doing and all that but I am the offensive coordinator if I was better than him I'd be the offensive coordinator and if I was better than Barry Odom I'd be the defensive coordinator so I hired those guys because I think they're as good as anybody in the country has. So I'm going to give my ideas and I'm going to ask my questions about, you know, why are we doing this? And just I just want a good answer, you know. But we hired them along with every position coach to go coach. And that's what we're going to let them do. And I don't want to step on them, but I want it how I believe that the program should be ran. And so I have no problem of communicating with them that way. But I want I want Kendall to be the OC and, and, and of course, Barry to be the DC and Scott Fountain to be the special teams coordinator. And I want their ideas. And if I can help, in other words, if I can throw something in there that will help us win, well, which that's what I think my job is, then that's what we're going to do. Are there any ideas you have to get more fans to games mm. until more wins start coming? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Yeah, when, I know winning is you know, unspoken. Uh, you know, I don't – man, that's a good question. Um, Credit a Hogbeat subscriber for that one. I think, I think this – I think that us showing – that we care about the state and the people will get more people in the stands. I think if we show that the, the state of Arkansas, that they're dang important to us, that they'll come out and give us a chance. And then once we do that, then we have to put a, a good product on the field, a good football team out there. and. But I think the more we can talk about how we really feel about the state of Arkansas, uh, and I, I don't think anybody's ever accused me of that's not really how he feels. He just says that. I mean, I think you can tell that I feel that way about the state of Arkansas. And uh, I think that without, you know, the changing the music at the stadium or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I think that hopefully that'll bring the folks in to, that because we want them here, we need them here. That wraps up our exclusive two-on-one interview with Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman. For all the content we have related to that interview, you can go over to hogbeat.com and check it all out. You can see it for free for 30 days with code HOGS30, and that will conveniently also get you through signing day. So go ahead and use code HAWGS30 on hogbeat.com. 
Coming up, let's talk a little hog hoops. All right, everybody. One more thing before we go, and it's a pretty big thing. The Arkansas Razorbacks sitting at 14-2, which is the best record by a first-year head coach in program history. So congrats, Eric Musselman. Um, the Razorbacks are welcoming, welcoming number 10-ranked Kentucky at home on Saturday in Bud Walton Arena. Tip-off is slated for 3 p.m. Um, off the top of my head, can't tell where the game is being broadcasted. I assume it's ESPN or SEC Network. Either way, definitely on TV so you can catch that game. We will be in the building providing you live updates and post-game coverage and all that. But Arkansas is on a two-game winning streak with wins against Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. Their lone SEC loss was at LSU in a very close game. They lost 77-79 against LSU. But Kentucky, on the other hand, is coming off a loss to uh, South Carolina just the other night, uh, 78 to 81. So that that was also a very close loss. And I know that um, Eric Musselman said that Coach Cal's teams tend to bounce back in a major way. So not exactly a positive for Arkansas that Kentucky just lost. But uh, the Hogs are in a really good spot. They now have the leading SEC shooting trio with Isaiah Joe, Jimmy Witt, and Mason Jones. Each one of those guys has dropped 30 points um, against SEC opponents, which is very, very impressive. Um, loved what we saw from Reggie Chaney the other night, dropping 12, staying out of foul trouble. Um, he came up in a major way, especially when Adrio Bailey wasn't putting much on the stat sheet. Um, I liked Desi Sills as well. He's always active. Um, he is fourth on the team in points right now at 10.8 per game. Overall, the team is rolling. The short bench isn't really hurting them. Um, Adrio Bailey leaving the game with 7.51 the other night. Probably would have been really bad if they weren't playing Vanderbilt, but all in all, it looks like the rotation has been working out really well for them with Reggie Chaney first off the bench and then Jalen Harris. Uh, we didn't see much of Jantal Silla and uh, Ethan Henderson the other night against Vanderbilt, but maybe they'll get more involved against Kentucky, who has a slightly larger team than Vanderbilt and a lot more talent, obviously, as well. Uh, Kentucky is very, very good in a few areas. Uh, they rank in the top 30 in blocked shots per game, as well as defensive rebounds. So they rank in the top 50. Uh, they, they're not a big field goal uh, team from three, at least, but they still have a pretty high field goal percentage um, at 46.1%, which is higher than Arkansas. So Arkansas will need to have every single player on, including Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones, Arkansas has been doing a really, really good job taking care of the ball lately. I think they only had like four or five turnovers the other night against Vanderbilt, and that is going to have to continue against Kentucky because instead of turning over the ball, you want to get a shot up. Um, Arkansas isn't very good at second-chance points, so you got to get that first shot up and keep as many possessions as you can, therefore not turning over the ball. The Razorbacks really need this win to solidify their stance as a top 25 team in the nation. They already show that they're a top 25 team 
according to net rankings, but in terms of national recognition, the AP Top 25 is usually where most people look, and they're still being disrespected. They were still three spots out of the Top 25, so they got uh, the, I guess, the equivalent of the 28th vote, Um, but nationally, I can tell that a lot of more analysts are starting to pick up on Arkansas. The other night, I was watching a game, and they were talking about the LSU Tigers being an SEC championship contender, and they also mentioned Arkansas. Um, Auburn just lost the other night, so now they're looking more beatable. Uh, So a big game against Kentucky will take Arkansas a long way on the national scale. Kentucky, if you just look at their conference stats, they do have four shooters who've all got double digits um, and starting with coming off the bench Emmanuel quickly he's shooting from three 66 percent so a lot of his points are coming off three balls he's got 14 during SEC play Uh, Nick Richards he's got 16.5 points per game on top of that he's the team's leading blocker with 13 Um, Ashton Hagens he's got 12 points per game and Tyrese Maxey has 12.8 points per game Um, Ashton Hagens you know he's the point guard he's got 28 assists total Um, overall looks like the Hogs are in a solid position but they're likely to come out as the underdogs once the line gets released in a few hours all right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into the Hogbeat Hour. I hope you enjoyed our one-on-one with Sam Pittman and all this good recruiting info. Uh, stay locked on Hogbeat this weekend. We will have official visit recaps locked and loaded right as these official visitors leave campus. So stay tuned, keep your eye on those potential commits, and have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Hey.